You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Filato, joined as always by Chris Flum to break down the film on the New York Giants' 31-24 victory, wildcard victory, playoff victory over the Minnesota Vikings. Chris, how you doing, man? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. You know, managed to get some sleep after that game was was over. It was a little tough to come down from. I I have to admit, it was tough to come down from. And I'm trying to get some sleep here or there. But you know what? There's so much film to dive into, and there's so much to discuss. And this is just a feeling of elation with the New York Giants winning this football game against a Minnesota Vikings team that were 13 and four. But after going through the film, I am shocked that that team was 13-4 and four with that defense. And Daniel Jones played one phenomenal game. Mike Kafka coached one phenomenal game. Wink Martindale deviated from the Martindale that we know <laughs> and that we love phenomenally. phenomenally to contain Justin Jefferson and put an umbrella over the top of that explosive Vikings offense. But Chris, man, I'll say this. That Ed Donatel defense is freaking horrendous. There were so many blown coverages that Daniel Jones quickly processed and diagnosed and got the football into his playmaker's hands. There were a couple passes that were batted down or dropped, the Darius Slayton one, the Richie James one that was batted down by Harrison Phillips that may have led to Daniel Jones having like 375 yards passing in this game. Yeah, you know, you said it while we were chatting before we hit record. Yeah, this game, it was like Mike Kafka was just toying with the Vikings defense. Yeah, you know, it was almost the type of game we're used to seeing from uh, a Kyle Shanahan offense or a Sean McVay offense. That level of just I know what you're going to do and you cannot stop me. And now here's what I'm going to do and now I am going to start sequencing plays off of that. You have no idea what's going to be coming next. It was Honestly, one of the more brilliant game plans I have seen in a long time. It was an excellent game plan, and it wasn't even like he was reinventing the wheel. I would say the one thing that Mike Kafka really added in this matchup that he didn't use as much, and a lot of giant supporters were were advocating for this, was the 21 personnel package, the pony package with Matt Breida and Saquon Barkley on the football field. We saw that. I feel like it was 20% of their snaps, which is a lot if you're really going to think about it. And we saw a lot of diversity in the rushing attack based off of that personnel package, right? You had the running back. We had a normal like halfback stretch running back handoff to Saquon Barkley. You had the halfback pitch that went for a touchdown. You had a Statue of Liberty. You had a jet sweep on the third and one that Matt Burita picked up. You had an end around in the red zone to Darius Slayton that I feel like would have scored if DJ Wanham, the defensive lineman for the Vikings, didn't play it so well. And you had a fake halfback pitch wingback handoff underneath to Matt Breida that was read very well by Zadarius Smith, but if Smith didn't read that, the blocking up front was really, really well executed. So just that wrinkle 
in and of itself was a huge part of Mike Kafka's game plan, but there were so many other things that he did from a passing standpoint that exploited Ed Donatel's defense. Well, pretty much everything <laughs> in this game was from a, a passing standpoint. Yeah, The Giants only had, I, I want to say maybe 15 called running plays you know, out of the backfield, not counting like the end around or that sort of thing. Or even we'll say the extended running plays, like uh, screen pass attempts, that sort of thing. You know, Saquon Barkley had nine carries. Matt Vrita had three carries. And there were, what, three or four runs for Daniel Jones that were actually designed and called. Pretty much everything else was a scramble. And those came off of passing plays. And interesting interestingly pretty much all of jones's scrambles or at least the majority of them went to the right you know he had off tackle seven carries for 51 yards that it's just a little bit odd to see that huge of a that huge of a uh a proportion of the of scrambles go in one direction like that but so much of this game was based on the pass for the giants and yeah a big part of that i think was ed donatel's scheme did really play into the giant the strength the Giants have established with their quick game. Yeah, a lot of that scheme, as we covered a couple times already, is based on quarters coverage. Yeah, protecting against the deep pass and giving up those quick underneath passes. But also, as you said, uh, wow, the Vikings' defense is bad. Not to take anything away from the Giants' offense and what their players did in this game but man i'm with you it's honestly kind of confusing that the vikings won as many games as they did because there were times during this game they looked as lost on the field as the bears did back in week four it almost looked like they didn't know how to football a few different things there one you're right about daniel jones rolling to the right this guy ended up having over 70 yards rushing 17 carries there were some design quarterback runs, right? But a lot of them were mostly scrambles. And I don't know what it was about Zadarius Smith and the lack of quarterback contain. I, I get it. He can win around the edge, win high side on Evan Neal. But so many times throughout this game, and I was expecting to see significant second half adjustments, we just didn't in terms of containing Daniel Jones. The Vikings seemed completely fine with allowing Daniel Jones to roll to his right because every time they sent Zadarius Smith out the pass rushing arc, no one was there to contain. And it's not like they had a lot of second level defenders rallying to Daniel Jones. They were playing three guys deep a solid amount, you know, quarters coverage with like four guys deep. And they would just run running back Saquon Barkley out to one side. If it was man coverage, there would be nobody in the middle of the field and no one would drop down. I'm not 100% certain what Ed Donatel was thinking or what that defense was doing because Mike Kafka was just like, we're going to remove the linebacker with Saquon Barkley. And if you're in man coverage, it's going to be open because we're going to have a boundary stack and we're going to have that number two wide receiver just run a slant over the middle of the field. And even against zone coverage, the Giants had answers to defeat that. And it was just a real mess on the back end. And there was just a real mess from a containment standpoint. Daniel Jones was just doing whatever he wanted with his arm and with his legs. And it's something the Giants have been excellent at, Chris. It's don't shoot yourself in the foot, play efficient football. And the Giants were consistently efficient. Even when they had negative plays on first down, Chris, they would come out on second and long and they would kick ass. 
I have it charted right here. Daniel Jones in second and long. And what I mean by second and long, it's second and 10 plus is what I'm, how I'm quantifying this. He was seven of seven for 76 yards with the 10 yard rush. His only negative play was a sack suffered at the end of the game where he could have threw it away, but he decided not to because he wanted to keep the clock running. So the Giants took advantage of the fact that that defense had absolutely no idea what was going on for the majority of the game. Yeah, and I think that's something Mike Kafka really realized after the first time these te- these two teams played just you know a couple weeks ago that the the Vikings were there were things they were just not going to cover they they really suffered some big breakdowns in discipline like you talk about not keeping contain on the quarterback there were times where they just crashed inside for almost no reason it like they didn't realize it was legal for the quarterback to keep the ball and carry it which granted what their quarterback is Kirk Cousins which even even in in his younger days he was never a prolific carrier of the football he was never a great runner but they're still in a division with Aaron Rodgers and now Justin Fields yeah they they should know how to keep contain on a quarterback they should know you would imagine they do and I'll say another thing too Chris the way Mike Kafka uses Saquon Barkley to set up other routes as I mentioned a little bit ago he changed that at halftime because a lot of the times what did what did Mike Kafka do he would take Saquon Barkley shotgun and he would just flare him out and that would remove the linebacker but In the second half, he started coming out in three-by-one sets, which is something the Giants haven't used as much recently. They've been much more of a balanced offense in terms of using two-by-two sets. But after halftime, they released Saquon Barkley into the middle of the field. Towards the three-by-one set, he would run to the flat, and it would put Jordan Hicks in a spot where he would have to work through two in-breaking routes that were right in his face, work over the top to match Saquon Barkley. That's not going to happen, Chris. And it didn't happen. And it led to a huge explosive play that set up one of the Giants' touchdowns because Jordan Hicks went to go make the push call, but Eric Kendricks was engaged with Daniel Bellinger at the time. And it took him a little bit to realize, oh, crap, I got to get out to the flat to cover Saquon Barkley. By that time, it was way too late. So even a little adjustment like that, knowing the principles and the rules of that Ed Donatel defense, knowing that they're going to push that if Hicks can't work through the traffic, which he won't. And... The push probably isn't going to work as well, which it did not because Eric Hendricks is going to be pressed up on Daniel Bellinger and worrying about Daniel Bellinger because Eric Hendricks was inside before he even engaged Daniel Bellinger. So he had to work out. So there's a lot going on in 54's mind, Eric Hendricks' mind right there. So it's just excellent X's and O's. And it's simple too, right? Let's just create traffic, create a pick, and take advantage of the fact that we have an incredible athlete in the backfield. And that was just one of the many adjustments I felt like the Giants had in the uh, in the second half of the game, and another one too, just to start on or go back to the beginning of the game, Chris. We talked about this before the show. The Giants were taking shots, bro, and they were creating some explosive plays. They had some deep Yankee concepts dialed up. They had Marcus Johnson on the field. They were trying to use speed to just have that Vikings defense respect the fact that they can burn them deep because the Giants' offense can burn them deep, despite the fact that a lot of people don't believe they have these great wide receivers or these really good wide receivers. So that really put it in Donatel's mind. Hey. You need to have some help over the top, right? Because if you don't, you can get burnt. And the Giants, I felt like that 
in and of itself opened up a lot of space in the short to intermediate parts of the field that the Giants exploited all game. Yeah, and most of the Giants' passing attack was in that short to intermediate area. And like you said, I think that a lot of people are still wildly underestimating the Giants' receivers. And right after the game, we called out Isaiah Hodgins for his game. But he only had one incompletion. He had over 100 yards. Like, if you said there was going to be a wide receiver in this game, between the Giants and the Vikings, who had over 100 yards, had a touchdown, and only had one incompletion go his way. Literally everybody would say it was Justin Jefferson. But no, it was Isaiah Hodgins. And he didn't just come up big as a wide receiver. He came up big as a blocker. And that first Saquon Barkley touchdown was basically sprung by Isaiah Hodgins laying a key block, winning that outside edge. and. For your a guy who is ostensibly your number one receiver to also be that impressive of a blocker is really fantastic. Like I, I honestly think he can be a start a number two wide receiver in the league. Maybe not a number one, but certainly a an every down flanker. One hundred percent. If his name was not Isaiah Hodgins, and I feel like people are starting to kind of come around to the fact that he is a, a good NFL wide receiver, but if his name was a name that was drafted in, say, the second round, everyone would be like, wow, look at this second round pick doing all this in a playoff game, huge match, bada, 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 making the catch along the sideline, has the touchdown, how hot he is playing right now. He would be just having praise thrown at him. But that's not the case because he was a late round pick found on the practice squad earlier this season during the Giants bye week. So it's really just his name at this point. But in terms of what you're seeing when you watch Isaiah Hodgins, how he understands space, how he knows how to manipulate space. Some of the, just like his little six, seven, eight yard catches were so impressive to me because he had a guy inside, a guy outside, and he had to basically manipulate both those defenders or at least manipulate one of them. The one play, he worked into Eric Kendrick's blind spot and then flowed to the outside to catch the football, which led to a nice long game. Like that is just smart route running right there nuanced route running from a very smart wide receiver. So I'm really happy for Isaiah Hodgins, Chris, but I feel like this offensive line also deserves a lot of credit as well. I mean, Evan Neal didn't have the best game, but all in all, they really blocked up some, I would say solid pass rushers up front to allow Daniel Jones to do what Daniel Jones does. Yeah. The, the giants gave up pressure. They gave up three sacks and you know, Zed Smith, Daniel Hunter, Say what you will about the Vikings defense, and we certainly have to this point, but those guys are good edge defenders. They are good pass rushers. They're guys who have to respect on the edge. And the Giants defense, or I'm sorry, the Giants offensive line acquitted itself well. Yes, they gave up pressure. Yes, the pocket was smaller than I think people would have preferred, but they still did their job and they still did a good enough job of opening holes when the Giants wanted to wanted or needed to run the ball. You know, one of one of the things that has consistently impressed me about the Giants offensive line is when they use Saquon Barkley to eliminate that linebacker, you see the Red Sea in front in the middle of the Giants offensive line part. There is pretty much always a gaping hole in the middle of that in the middle of that pocket. The pocket just opens up in front. So if you know, Daniel Jones is back there. He sees, you know, first read isn't there. Second read isn't there. 
he can just take off. He has that green light and he doesn't have to try to navigate the, his, the, he doesn't have to try to navigate the protection in front of him because they are just shunting everything away, away from the peak of that pocket. Absolutely. And this coaching staff, Chris is just getting the most out of Daniel Jones. Like this is the Daniel Jones that was drafted in the top 10. And I'll say this about this coaching staff. They are the ultimate maximizers. Like we say that Mike Kafka exploits opponents tendencies. That's true. But they also, this coaching staff maximizes the talent and positions their personnel in the optimal place, the most advantageous situations to get the most out of them. And that's what they're doing with this young quarterback right here. And Daniel Jones is taking to it, man. Like we all knew Daniel Jones was conscientious. First guy in last guy out, all of that. But now he's starting to put it all together. And he just literally set an NFL record by becoming the first player in playoff history, Chris, to throw for over 300 yards with two or more passing touchdowns and 70 rushing yards, which really surprised me. I I would have figured somebody would have done that, but no, Daniel Jones did that and he really looked impressive doing it. Yes. And I have to say, this does give me a little bit of pause with the, the buzz that's starting to, to spring up around Mike Kafka's name with, you know, he's getting interview requests from the Panthers and the Texans. It wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos ring him up. Uh, they seem to have their sights set on Sean Payton. And, you know, considering what they have invested in their team over the last year, you know, going out and getting Russell Wilson, I, I definitely see them going after the big name at coach. But, you know, I, I sincerely hope the Giants have a have a contingency plan in place for just in case Kafka does get his own coaching head coaching gig this year because yeah, the work he has done with this entire offense, getting everybody into into position to succeed and getting the most out of everybody is very, very And all the adjustments in between, Chris. But do you have anything else, my friend, on the Giants offense before we get to the defense? Yeah, you know, I I think we can get to the defense. We could. I think talk about Darius Slayton in that drop, but you know what? Let, let's just get to the yeah, Darius Slayton played a great game. Okay. So he had that drop. He, he also didn't come down with, I think another contested catch that was a little tight, but Darius Slayton has. Yeah. The, the, that one in the end. So well, that one too, but I was like, okay, so now there's two of them. I was told about the one where it was like a little quick spot route and he, he flared to the outside. Jones put it on his shoulder and he kind of hit the ground. It was ruled a catch initially, and then they quickly said it hit the ground, and it did hit the ground. So it was a good call by the referees on that specific play. But yeah, Darius Slayton, look, he's a net positive for this team, but that's who Darius Slayton is. That's why Darius Slayton isn't a number one wide receiver, because we know he has the explosiveness, the burst, the route running, but he's in, inefficient in terms of catching the football, which is a really important trait to have when you're when you're a player. But he had a solid game overall, and I'm hoping that he really shows up against James Bradbury and Darius Slay next week. Uh, yeah, that. But that, that's for for another time. We do still have uh, a very unique, a very special Wink Martindale defense to. Talk and we're going to get into that right after this break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. 
because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Chris, we have a saying on this podcast. Wink likes to wink because wink is going to bring pressure. That is his identity, his philosophy. He's going to dictate to the offense. He said as much in training camp, and it's proven to be true throughout the entire 2022 NFL season. But Chris, man, Wink didn't wink as much in this game, right? He did not wink that much. This was more of a Mr. This was more of a cowboy Clint Eastwood wink than a, an exaggerated Mr. Bean type of wink. Because when you look at what Wink Martindale has done this entire year, they average a blitz rate of about 43.9% on the season, the most in the league. In this game, he only blitzed on 22.5% of snaps. Despite that, they got pressure on Kirk Cousins 42.5% of the snaps because Dexter Lawrence is an absolute beast who was just throwing interior offensive linemen around. But it wasn't just the pressure, was it, Chris? It was also the coverage on the back end that Wink Martindale changed so significantly to stifle the explosive passing attack by Kirk Cousins and that damn good wide receiver known as Justin Jefferson. Yeah. If you've watched the Giants this year, if you've listened to this podcast, you know what Wink Martindale's defense is. He is calling press man coverage, or at the very least, man coverage with yeah, you know, a cover one shell, one deep safety, middle of the field, and then odds are he's probably going to send extra pressure from somewhere. This game, the Giants played middle of the field open, either cover four quarters or cover two, and they played a lot of zone. Uh, they only called man coverage, like what, maybe 15, 20% of the game they they were almost running ed donatel's scheme out there and in fact one of the things i found when i did our stats and analytics post was how similar the uh the general shape of the two offenses looked now obviously we just got done talking about how well the giants offense was schemed and executed but the vikings offense looked just in in general shape very similar to that kirk cousins and daniel jones had basically the same converted air yardage they were both able to find wide receivers in space in the underneath areas of the field the the giants just ran so much quarters cover two defense that's because their first, second, and third objectives in this game were to silence 
Justin Jefferson, and they held him to 47 yards. Now, there were some trade-offs elsewhere, which we're going to get to, but this was, this was, I think, a, a big gamble on the part of Wink Martindale, because anytime you go, you go away from the foundational philosophy of your scheme, that's a potential problem. Like, if it didn't work, if Justin Jefferson had managed to break loose, if Kevin O'Connell had anticipated what Wink was able to do, if he had adjusted more quickly, this game could have gotten ugly for the Giants. Or, you know, if the Vikings defense was at all competent. But it didn't. So this gamble paid off tremendously. And really, even as efficient as the Vikings offense was for a lot of the game, it was also pretty inefficient. The Giants just wanted to prevent explosive plays. Justin Jefferson, it seemed like it was like five minutes into the game. The guy already had five catches. He finished with seven catches for less than 50 yards. And I got to give a lot of credit to Dory Jackson. I know. Justin Jefferson had multiple sets of eyes on him the entire game. So Adoree had a ton of help. But if you just watch how smooth Adoree Jackson was in his transitions, in his speed turn, how he was using leverage to optimize the coverage, knowing he had inside help from Xavier McKinney or Julian Love, it just looked like the vintage type of Adoree Jackson that we're used to seeing. Right, He was just wildly smooth in and out of his transition. So I was really pleased with what I saw from Adoree Jackson on Justin Jefferson, albeit he did have a lot of help because the Giants, like you said, man, the quarters coverage, anytime it was towards Justin Jefferson's side, there were multiple sets of eyes on him. When the Giants were in cover one, the buzz defender or cover three, the buzz defender would always buzz down on Justin Jefferson's side and basically just create a wall if it was a dig or a horizontal crossing route with the Giants cornerback and outside leverage influencing him into that direction. The Giants were very cognizant of where 18 was the entire game. And I love the deviation to a quarter's type of look, man. Like the Giants ran cover one 10.7% of the time. They ran quarters 48.2% of the time. Chris, that is insane. They were in split coverage types of looks on 65% of plays. That was the most by far, according to next gen stats for the New York Giants. That is not Wink Martindale, but that is the best way to beat this offense because the Vikings rushing attack, although they had some success on the ground, that wasn't necessarily just because the Giants are a sieve as a run defense, but it's also because the Giants were keeping that apex defender basically towards the side of Justin Jefferson if he was on that two, or even if he was a lone receiver, but I don't think there were many three-by-one rushes from the Minnesota Vikings. But they would keep that defender in a spot where he's not really engaging the box. So you have a minus one advantage in the box for some of that time. Plus, the Giants were staying in nickel personnel against 12. The only time, Chris, the Giants transitioned their defense to base was when the Vikings would come out in 21 personnel. We saw that on the first drive, and then we saw a huge halftime adjustment by Kevin O'Connell to move to a more 21 personnel package as two running backs. So CJ Ham is on the field, and that was the only time the Giants would switch their personnel package to base, get them out of nickel sub packages, which we know Wink Martindale wants to run. Yeah, I for the most part, if the Giants weren't in a nickel sub package, it's because they had six, seven, eight... <laughs> defensive backs on the field they they were going through sub packages like 
almost like Wink was calling the defense based on the loose change in his pocket. You know, got a nickel here, got a dime here, uh, quarter here, you know, dollar here. And that was, I think, a big part of their success in that they were able to contain Justin Jefferson and in doing so really prevent the Vikings offense from getting consistent traction. Like they were able to move the ball on occasion. And we do have to talk about TJ Hawkinson because I'm pretty sure the Giants don't ever want to see him again yeah, dude. <laughs> after these last two TJ Hawkinson, man, he loves playing the New York Giants and he's really good. He, he is. And thinking back to some of his biggest plays, the one was an excellent quarters beater where the Giants or where the Vikings, I'm sorry, ran a stick and nod route against Tony Jefferson, I think it was. And a stick and nod route, essentially, if you play Madden, you know it. The the tight end is going to run up, and then he's going to act like he's going to run an out route, and then he's going to explode back into a post. And what that does against a quarters look, if the quarters is reading the number two in a two-by-two set, and that number two is TJ Hawkinson, he's going to see him go out and then think it's an under route. So he thinks it's going to go to the flat and it won't be his responsibility. But then when he breaks back to the post, he's going to go into a vacated area that's probably going to be left by that deep fourth defender. So that was just a really well schemed up play from Kevin O'Connell. And then you had the screen on the uh, on the really, really important situation, the fourth and short, where Justin Jefferson ran a screen and, and Xavier McKinney thought he was going to jump it. And that just kind of put Julian Love in a position where he had so much ground to cover TJ Hawkinson up the sideline. And it went for a huge gain. And just another point too, Chris, I want to talk talk about. I mean, TJ Hawkinson had one hell of a game, you're right. But I did love the adjustment to 21 personnel that we saw in the second half from Kevin O'Connell because that one really explosive play, I think the Vikings only had three explosive plays in this game, if I'm not mistaken. But the one to Adam Thielen up the sideline, that was excellent X's and O's. You come out 21 personnel, that forced the Giants into base, line two receivers to one side. The Giants are going to use a split coverage look, which they've been using the entire game, especially when they're in base and they have all those guys allocated towards the line of scrimmage. That isolated Gerard Davis against Adam Thielen. That's why Adam Thielen was so open on that play. It was just a post-wheel route where he just ran right where Dory Jackson was because Dory Jackson followed Justin Jefferson on the post, and it ended up going for a, a long gain to Adam Thielen because Gerard Davis isn't going to cover Adam Thielen downfield. So that was just a a check mark in, in the uh, in the favor of Kevin O'Connell in terms of X's and O's. I just love seeing the chess match between two smart offensive and defensive minds. Yeah, and we had asked a couple times in the first half how the Vikings managed to win 13 games with that defense. And the answer really is Kevin O'Connell, his offense, because he is mm -hmm. a very, very sharp offensive mind. And the play this year of Kirk Cousins. Cousins has played very, very well. Yet the Giants had him, as you said before, under heavy pressure, pressuring him on over 40% of his dropbacks, which, you know, he had 39 passes. So that that's a pretty significant number of pressures. But Cousins was very good at finding that open receiver. Yet he went 31 of 39 that's just under 80 percent that's 79 and a half percent completion but without justin Je justin jefferson being available with him being contained he only had 273 i believe yards on the game so yes very efficient play but also not efficient or i should say maybe not terribly valuable a lot those passes were not terribly valuable a lot of the time and talking about that unwink like game 
it was that unwink-like game right up until the last play when Wink finally winked on that fourth and eight. And he transitioned to man coverage, caught O'Connell and Cousins completely by surprise, which they had done a pretty good job over the last two games of anticipating the Giants' tendencies and play call. I think them running a lot more zone did throw them for a bit of a loop, but it, it didn't send them into a complete tailspin. But that final play when they the Giants finally went into man coverage, yeah, Kirk Cousins had nowhere to go with the ball except that four-yard drag route to TJ Hawkinson, which yeah, he was never going to be able to turn that upfield and pick up another four yards to continue. Because another adjustment that was made was Xavier McKinney manning up TJ Hawkinson. So you put one of your best safeties or your best safety on TJ Hawkinson and McKinney was very disciplined in the coverage on that specific play. But I'll say this, man, if you look on the backside of that play, Cordell Flott, who made an excellent play on third and eight and man coverage, it was cover one as well on TJ Osborne. Felt like Osborne could have caught it. Felt like the throw was maybe a little bit behind on Kirk Cousins, but still excellent play by Flott. A really difficult horizontal crossing route to cover. But on fourth and eight, if Kirk Cousins had a little bit more time, which he didn't because Dexter Lawrence is just an amazing football player, he would have had KJ Osborne, who had inside leverage against Cordell Flott. And I think that could have went for a first down. But this is why playing good complementary football works. You can man up if you can get pressure rushing four when you have guys like Leonard Williams, Kayvon Thibodeau, and Dexter Lawrence. And Dexter Lawrence, I think he had like eight pressures in this game or something. And two of them came on that final drive. You're talking about a 345-pound defensive lineman, Chris, playing 50-plus snaps in a game, getting two important pressures on the last drive of the game. Like that's an anomaly, man. There, there, there aren't players who are like that in the NFL. There's just not. No, there, there really aren't. Now the way Georgia has been putting <laughs> defensive linemen into the NFL, that might be changing. Uh, this upcoming draft Clemson is putting a few more really good interior de- defensive linemen into the NFL. So it, we are, I think, seeing a lot more players in general and linemen in particular, just right at that ragged edge of what a human being is capable of doing athletically. So I I think we might start to see a little bit more of that, but Dexter Lawrence is definitely a planet theory defensive tackle. There are not many humans walking the planet who can do somewhere. George Young is smiling. And I'll even say this though, man, like Jalen Carter, the guy who's going to be a top five pick defensive lineman out of Georgia, that guy's 300 pounds. Like Dexter Lawrence has about 45 pounds on that guy. And he's still moving and doing the things he's doing. It's, it's, it's really, it's really great that finally he's getting the national notoriety and attention that he deserves. And he's kind of put it all together this year. But as you and I have said for quite a while now, Chris, it was evident that Dexter Lawrence was special last year and the year before he just didn't have the, I think best coaching to optimize his skill set. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good note to end on the difference between these giants and the giants of the last uh, five years, six years has really been coaching it, that that's what it comes down to. It absolutely does. And thank you everybody for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on big blue view radio. Please. If you have not yet head on over to our YouTube, big blue view, subscribe, like comment, it's a good little 
I would say, interaction over there on the YouTube channel and also at BigBlueView.com, where we have all of our written content. We're going to be covering the Eagles extensively, reviewing this game. It's It's been a lot of fun this season covering the New York Giants, so please head on over to the website, Big Blue View, and also subscribe and like, and please comment on this podcast. It really does wonders for the podcast feed. That would be excellent, and let's see what's going to happen with this game on Saturday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, but until then, Chris, everybody, stay safe, take care of each other, and have a lovely one. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Home mom? <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.